0: Oh, my goodness. Everybody should have their first experience back seeing live theater the way I had it, which was to see the great, the good, the wonderful Andre de Shields as is King Lear um, at the St. Louis Shakespeare Festival down in St. Louis outdoors with a thousand screaming fans in an outdoor park on a Tuesday night where it didn't rain, and a cast full of such such, um, gifted folks, number one in your hearts of which is uh, Daniel Jose Molina, who played Edgar and the one of the young people I was with saying, I had no idea. Edgar was the part. If you're doing Lear, Edgar is the part, right? <laughs> That's really, really kind. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 15th year, number 762, King Lear's Edgar. Andre De Shields was a force of nature as King Lear in the St. Louis Shakespeare Festival production that ran last month in beautiful Shakespeare Glen in Forest Park in St. Louis. And amidst a powerhouse cast, Daniel Jose Molina was a revelatory Edgar. Daniel and I got together for coffee yesterday, and I was so grateful to talk to him about playing this role that I've never really fully understood. And I am so privileged that I am able to share that conversation with you. you.
1: a challenge and man I still wasn't ready when I signed up for it it's really really something yeah well what, the, I'm I'm so glad to talk to you for, for many reasons but but also
0: I, I Ed, the, the part of Edgar yes I, is is central pivotal one could argue heroic and yet I don't understand him. What was it like for you? You've played Romeo. You've played, uh, what's his name, in uh, Love's
1: Labors. You've played... <laughs> yes, that's my greatest role in Love's yeah, Labors. The King of Navarre.
0: The King of R. The King of R. Um, you, you've played Hal in both parts of Henry IV and Henry in Henry V. How, where does Edgar fall on that spectrum of, of,
1: of uh, difficulty or fun? He's really unique. I mean, if they're on a, uh, a scale of whatever kind of measurement, you want to call it he's on another he's playing a different sport oh, it's in really? a completely yeah. different category and I think a lot of it has to do if I were to be very very simple in just how different it feels from other uh, lead characters maybe hero characters or whatever you want to call them he's he's only constantly reacting I, I halfway th- halfway through rehearsals I realized like wow, I don't have the other opportunities that other characters have where they go, I am feeling this way. How do I get out of this problem, audience? A a soliloquy, he has very, very brief ones, but is constantly being interrupted by other characters coming in. So you get snippets as to where he might be or him trying to make sense of uh, his suffering or his situation, but it's always kind of put on pause for the play to continue. Right. and there's very little to go on who he is before these events happened to him. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I could go into what I thought the arc ended up being for me to make sense of it. Uh, uh, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, let's
0: let, let's talk about that arc because you had a great... Uh, we know where the play ends, but as you say, we don't get to see much of it beforehand. But you had a great first entrance, mm-hmm. at least on the night I saw it, um, where you <laughs> were wearing, wearing your uh, headphones, your Beats headphones, or whatever they are, and you're skateboarding across the back, and it's a moment of youthful physicality in a playful of older people. And so it was very like, oh, and he has, here's Edgar who has no idea what drama is going on in the kingdom.
1: Um, how did that come up? I mean, that seems like a great place to start. That's totally a nail on the head. I think that that's at least what I could go on, what the the determining quality or chief characteristic of him should be is that he has no idea he is in King Lear and all the shit is about to hit the fan. Because I, for, you know, all the deceit that Edmund has, I believe that he's not lying to the audience when he tells them that Edgar is someone um, who has neither committed evils nor believes that anyone would commit them against him, paraphrasing terribly. But it's something like that that he has, you know, my brother, who would never think that anyone would ever try to pull anything over on him. Um, and I think that you know you see that in terms of how gullible it's a, a yeah. half a page and he believes that there's a, a murder plot against him yeah, right, immediately right. from his brother. Just yeah. his day is completely ruined he's got right. you know um, So I was trying to come up with ways of how can I, without any language, show the audience that this is someone who is just living their best life, has no idea that anyone would try uh, yeah. o- anything over on him, and we went with, it was really, really fun, that we were like, what if it's headphones, and Edmund is not done with his soliloquy. He even, like, kind of waves at him <laughs> downstage as he's telling the audience what he's about to do to his older brother. So, you know, uh, uh, fun things like that that are, you know, I don't even think tongue-in-cheek, they actually seem very Shakespearean to me, um, but... Well, it, the, finding the humor in the tragedy is oh, always key. Yeah. So necessary. Well,
0: I, well, And it was a great visual, and it, it told you so much about him and as you say you 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 don't you have to do, make all these sudden shifts edgar does and 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 get very little help and you have to do it almost
1: by yourself all the time you have no scenes in which to do this that's actually the my first big hint as to what what his arc is generally what is it about what is the lesson that shakespeare thinks he learns yeah. or that he teaches the audience through his suffering and to me it was a big thing about Him saving himself versus him involving himself to help others in crisis. Mm -hmm. Saving himself first—that's his choice. First is his first choice. I'm going to preserve myself, and I'm going to escape, and I'm going to do that by in a uh, very—Craven is a little uh, uh, intense because it works. It's it's quite clever, but it's really dark, and that I am going to become base, I'm going to be mud, I'm going to be mad, I'm going to put on fake mental illness so I uh, uh, divert or repel any sort of human attention that I might receive. Right. It's not
0: just hiding, It is, although it is that, but it's also keeping people away. Mm.
1: Uh, Edgar, myself, nothing, I, wow, I can't believe I just did it a few weeks ago and I, I'm already <laughs> forgetting what, what the, you know, but it's it's something along those lines where I am going to erase anything of who I was right. to become something the way that he describes it, very insensitive, but subhuman, yeah, I think, right. is what it is. And he doesn't say how long he thinks he'll keep it up for or, or what, you know, what, what is, is that really a real solution? And Um, I think that there's something to Shakespeare having him go down this route and then the next scene we meet him, it is the cruelest irony of him running into someone actually going through mental decline. Someone actually starting to lose it like Lear is. So we're confronted with him pretending to be mad and wondering how long should I keep this up? Am I exacerbating the him trying to save himself is making Lear Lear's symptoms worse, and that's a, a cruel, um, at times funny, but very, very tragic irony. I think that it's entirely intentional,
0: and that's what I think I loved about your performance. Because I've seen notable Edgars, you know, in this, but but I always go, wait, are they really mad? Are they? It, have they been driven this way? It always feels like something that happens to them rather than a choice. And I, it, with you, it felt like a real choice. Yeah. And that, and that, and that, and that there were moments on stage when you first run it, when your father shows up, a, and then when Lear shows up, as you're talking about, where you can see the mask, the mad mask, fall yeah. a little.
1: Did. Was that something that you had help with from the director? Is that stuff you had to figure out all by yourself? Uh, I did have help from the director. Uh, mostly checking in with him of, of like, is this tracking? Are yeah. you... Because uh, because that's what I, I... wanted it to be very clear rather than ambiguous. The ambiguity, right. the, the Hamlet-esque ambiguity of, like, how much is... Yeah. how is he committing to... Has he actually... Yeah. I don't think is helpful. There's so much other stuff going on in the air. And especially when we're tracking someone's actual decline, so to speak, Um, mentally, it's not... That's not... I don't think that that's what his journey is. Uh, And also, too, because he very clearly, I think, drops the character and the facade uh, later on in Act 3 and Act 4. So that... um, I also think that his soliloquy of when he puts on the character of poor Tom is so, I mean, he's in a panic. Yeah. There's very, very few full stops. Yeah. It has a lot of commas, and I'm going to do this and that, and that. yes, 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 and he, you can hear the, the engines revving of him, like affirming, this is a good idea, this will work, this will work, this will work. <laughs> that, it, it seems like a very deliberate, rushed choice, and even if you look at the writing of poor Tom, I'm not going to give Shakespeare the excuse of, like, well, he wrote it 400 years ago. <laughs> Who, they didn't know what, you know, mental right. health was really, sure. you know. Uh, I think that it is his intention that it is somewhat of a crude performance. It should be right. loud and in your face and trying to scare people off.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, it, it, I don't know about the Edgar where he puts on poor Tom and all of a sudden it's this, like, Daniel Day-Lewis-esque incredible transformation I mean it should be a transformation don't get me wrong right. but that it's not like we feel like he's all of a sudden the most incredible actor who's ever lived Right. I th- I think that it's somewhat helpful to be able to see the strings because that way for me the more fun was the tension of Edgar wanting to drop it and not sure of when is it safe. Yeah. I think that's more exciting to track than whether or not he's losing his actual mind, if that makes sense.
0: That makes all the sense, and that absolutely explains why some of the Edgars I've seen don't satisfy me, mm-hmm. because it seems like suddenly suddenly we're watching this Daniel Day-Lewis performance of a guy pretend to be mad. To what end? Suddenly you lose the purpose for the, for the impersonation. Look, In the performance.
1: performance, yeah, it's only two poor Tom scenes. Yeah. So I think it it, it 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 it's so incredibly daunting of a role to look at that that poor Tom language and be like, I'm gonna make sense of this. I'm gonna make I'm gonna give him a whole backstory, and I start to think it's like, why would Edgar be a an, a grad acting? Right. Uh, yeah, I I you know obviously you could make him that, but it's uh, I think that, again it is more exciting of for me what I found his story to be of. Edgar preserving himself in this, like I said before, kind of cowardly facade or tactic or whatever versus Edgar saying, no, I'm going to commit myself to avenging my father, helping him after he's been blinded, Um, uh, going back to the court to confront my brother. That was a more satisfying journey to me, and to see that growth of maturity that he has at the beginning. The only, the only line that we get that describes who he was before the play is uh, Regan, who says, Edgar, oh, you mean the Edgar that was my dad's godson, the one that would always party with all of his knights? <laughs> so we get a little bit of a hint yeah. that he might be quite shallow, yeah. but that, that if that's his starting point, then the ending point is oh, someone who would be worthy of Albany going, you know what, maybe you should be king just for now. So that made much more sense to me than to say poor Tom is the key. That's what it's all about. Hi, I'm Netta Walker from All-American Homecoming on The CW, and this is the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast.
0: Where can you RSC, the RSC? We're still the remote Shakespeare company until November of 2021, but we'll keep you posted on Facebook and Twitter about where we'll be performing and whether we'll be performing live before that. Now back to my conversation with Daniel Jose Molina about playing Edgar last month in the St. Louis Shakespeare Festival production of King Lear. Is a smaller role like Edgar, who is so physical be, and because you're such a physical person, an athletic person off stage, is that more fun for you? Your your Henry was very still because it was in a small black box space. And this, you're running all over the goddamn place and skateboarding <laughs> and up and down stairs. Is that, and, and as you say, there's very little uh, periods in the speeches, a lot of commas. Is the intensity of that athleticism, is that fun for you as an actor? Is it like, oh my God,
1: this is like a, a real job all of a sudden. It was... It was fun um, to have a role that was very, very physical and very externalized and uh, constantly reacting. Edgar was a role where you react. I felt like he comes up with the energy very rarely in in the show. He's running away. He's coming up uh, with, what are the responses that I give to my dad to make him keep thinking that I'm poor Tom or this or is this the cliff or... um, Uh, And like I said, again, uh, another feeling that I had, I was constantly saying lines like, but who comes here? But what is this? But what, you know, rather than let me go into a soliloquy that lets the audience know exactly where I am, which is, you know, Henry only has one of those. But still, it's, Henry's was a much more internalized journey because, of course, he can't give anyone away, not to mention the themes of, um, you know, if you're on top, you can't. And it was a much smaller space too, because we're right—we're in your lap almost 100%. Yeah. Where this is um, many more private scenes in terms of obviously nature versus being at the court. And Edgar, after his first two scenes, is, is lost in, yeah. in nature. Um, that it, it felt incredibly physical and external and immediate and reactionary, and that was fun in terms of that I didn't have time to think. Which is very good for an act- a good feeling for an actor, that nothing felt precious, it was just about doing and keeping the play going. Because yeah. I wanted to save that, um, those precious seconds within the play and that pacing of the play for other roles where I don't think Edgar is a deep thinker. mm mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say he's not intelligent. It's just that he's just he moves very quickly. He's not Hamlet. He's not Hamlet. Yeah. He's not Hamlet, yeah. which is funny because he has a very Hamlet esque. It's like a condensed Hamlet uh, arc, almost a reduced one. A, yeah, a redu- the reduced uh, Hamlet company. Yeah, <laughs> um, that uh, uh, yeah. But there was a lot of fun in that. And I didn't have to. Think yeah. I didn't I, I didn't have time he did he doesn't have time to think. Just, well, and 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 you know I'm talking about your physicality
0: and your athleticism and yet as the play is uh, wrapping up and winding down as as the demo, as the denouement is continuing to denou, um, you got very still. Yeah. You got very uh, still and focused because you were reacting as you say to all the all the drama resolving around you. And so it was it was nice to see that is 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 I mean, Edgar is one of several supporting roles in King Lear. He's not Hal in Henry IV. He's not the title role of Henry V. Is, does that make him easier to play or, or
1: harder? It was harder on the page. It was more ambiguous on the page before I got up on my feet in rehearsal. Oh, Once I was having people tell me, you know, Edmund coming up to me being like, oh, take this knife, you have to run, my father's coming, like, it's, it's your life. Yeah. Uh, uh, or, or, you know, uh, trying to lead Gloucester through the cliff and trying to get him to, you know, not commit suicide and stuff that, like I said, there's so much plot yeah. that Edgar is in charge of yeah. rather than, uh, like I said before, any sort of uh, lofty ideas. Yeah which are beautiful as well, but there's something incredibly freeing, and it felt like it's like it's an action movie role. Not to mention the um, people, you know, I had someone tell me, uh, my friend Gregory Linnington, who had played Edgar before, was like, Edgar is at least like six or five different roles in one. Oh, interesting. There's Edgar, there's poor Tom, there's the like three people he, he pretends to be at the cliff scene for his blind father. Right, that's right. And then there's this final, um, like, avenging angel character at the end that confronts his brother with all the confidence and hate it's like wrath of God language yeah. it's like I kept track of every sin that you've done and it's coming for you now uh, which is funny because you know the character at the beginning of the play was this you know Edmund says like you must go armed and he goes armed brother big question mark' and, you know, someone who's maybe not very tough or you know <laughs> um, but that's you know that's all a part of um his his journey. So, like I said, it was once I was physically inhabiting where his situation was, it was very clear. Whether or not the audience sees uh, the clarity of what he means to the bigger picture, I'm not quite sure. Right. Um. But it's I, I can't put it in a better way than to feel like his struggle is one of self versus. Community to helping out his loved ones around him to involve himself in the larger story rather than just to hide in a hole, as poor Tom.
0: Having done Edgar now, do you feel like, oh, all right, I could check that one off the list? Or do you feel like, no, I need another crack at Edgar?
1: I feel like I can check it off the list, and that's not that I don't ever want to do a, a Lear. I mean, that was also the, the funny thing is that I was doing Edgar and, and running through all these things, and uh, uh, my very good friend, I loved working with him so much. Leland Fowler played uh, Edmund, and the best Edmund I've ever seen. Oh. He was so great. Oh, fantastic! Oh, I don't know, you said I mean, that a, a villainous
0: the way I want my Edmunds to right. be, but also funny. And tons of presents. There was Rob, Robert Lindsay in the Olivier's lear and now
1: Leland Fowler. So that's that's one that's one and one B. Oh, that's fantastic. I'll yeah. let him know because he he really is just so stillness, his confidence, his clarity. Um <laughs> not not overtly, like, twirling the mustache coming from a non-genuine place, it was some, you know, and I have always found it to be useful to have Edmund be a sympathetic character. I'm sorry, I don't think that it's, that it's a coincidence that Shakespeare's first scene is Gloucester just th- humiliating him as he introduces him to, uh, Kent. I think that we're supposed to maybe think that Gloucester and Lear have it coming. And, uh, they do and I think that it's part of Shakespeare's genius is that he says look at this tyrant. I don't think that there's a, a better word for how Lear behaves at the beginning of the play. This tyrant unhinged, selfish, narcissistic in less than you know four hours or three and a half hours I'm going to make you really care about him yeah. and that's 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 part of the whole journey but anyway that I, that I would look at the role of Edmund and be like I kinda wanna do that. Yeah, okay. well, that looks cause that's Edmund is so clear. Yeah. Yeah. Every step of the play that he is. Yeah. It's so clear and it's one of those roles like Tibble. Really, it's almost like how still can you be is <laughs> what's what's gonna yeah. get you, yeah. what's gonna get you further. It's a great, great role. But I love Lear No, really yeah. after working on it, this is my first time working on it. I gotta say, the top five for sure and maybe top three. It's it's so perfect and deep and maybe I think that it deserves to be called his most tragic, tragic for sure. That's it for this week's
0: Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Send us your challenging roles via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow Daniel on Twitter at dmolin20, and you can follow me on Twitter, too, at Austin Titchener. And I hope you'll check out my new website, The Shakespeareans. There you can find more information on how I can help you with monologues, presentations, or writing projects. Check out theshakesperience.com and my Patreon page, patreon.com slash austintichner. Thanks, as always, to poor Tom Bedlam, Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Olivia Wolf no reason it's just random special thanks to netta walker one of the stars of the upcoming show on the cw network starting in january called all american homecoming and one of the group of young actors who saw king lear with me and finally thanks very much to you for listening please stay safe get vaccinated and keep your masks on i'm austin titchener 762 twenty-two hundred and eighty-sixths of the reduced shakespeare company It sounds like playing Edgar was exhausting, so I, I, I really, really hope that your next Shakespeare role will be something
1: easy and lighthearted. What do you got coming up? <laughs> Petruchio and Taming of the Shrew, <laughs> which I'm, ve- I'm very, very excited. But of course, it's so daunting. It's so daunting. It, you know, of course, today it's especially daunting about what do you do with Shrew, and what do you do with that character who I, I think it might be the character that I most would see performed and think, wow, I've got nothing of that character in me, where I can usually find some connective tissue. Especially someone like Edgar, who you know, just wants to believe the best in people, and would yeah. never find himself in any sort of desperate situation like that. I can deal with that. I can do. I have daddy issues. Henry, how? One hundred percent. I'm in. Uh, Petruchio and that. I. I. I don't know. I don't know, but I am wearing the absolute best hands of Shauna Cooper, and I'm happy to say that I'll be working with uh, my wife, Alejandra Escalante, as uh, Kate. And, I, you know, it's, I'm very lucky that we work so well together and that we have that so much of a shorthand, because it's very, very tricky. But in, I just reread it, and now with, with the whole cast that we'll be working with, and it is it has its thing. And I am ashamed to say that I've come around to saying that, because before I, I would be, uh, you know... The, the furthest thing from a shrew apologist. I'd be like, no, there's no room for taming the shrew. Not interested, no thank you. Um, it does have something. Those two characters have something, especially with how rare, happy, in the end, but happy married couples in Shakespeare are. That to be getting to do that couple with my actual wife is, it's really, really uh, an incredible opportunity.
0: Well, it goes up in September, and you can color me there. <laughs>
1: I can't wait to see you there, yeah.
0: This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company, reducing expectations since nineteen eighty-one. Go to reduce for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. So much less.